morning. No matter how many times you've heard the Pentecost story, you've got to admit it's a strange one. The disciples are all gathered together, waiting, confused, unsure of what's going to happen next. And then they are startled out of their conversations or prayers with a sound like a rushing wind and then fire. And then they all begin to speak of the wonders of God in as many languages as there are listeners. Don't you kind of want to ask with the people in the crowds, what does it mean? And what a strange story, wind and fire and miraculous speech. What does it mean? It means that God has now come to dwell not just with us, but in each of us, in you and me. It means that something new has come into the world. God is giving us God's very own self again. We receive that gift, first of all, in Jesus Christ, and now again in the Spirit. And the Spirit is what makes us the church. Without the Spirit, we would be nothing but a social club, with no hope and no transformation, nothing to offer the world except more of the same. And one person said it like this, as the body without breath is dead, so the church without the spirit is dead. I love that the spirit came with the sound of a rushing wind, a powerful rushing wind from heaven, no less, not of this world, but something from the outside. And that word that's translated wind can also mean breath. It's the same word that we hear in Acts 17 when it says that God gives everyone life and breath and everything else. When God created the world, God breathed life into humans and animals. God's breath gave life to everything. When Ezekiel stood in a valley full of dry bones, God said, I will breathe on these bones and give them life. And Ezekiel watched as those dry bones gained flesh and rose to life before his very eyes. I imagine the gentle breath of our creator into the nostrils of the first creatures. I imagine a breeze over Ezekiel's bones, rattling them to life. And I imagine that breath being powerful and mighty as God gives that same life-giving spirit to the church, that they might have new life and offer it to the world that the power and presence of Christ would be as close to us as our own breath. After the sound of the wind, the disciples saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And through the Old Testament, God often came to Israel in the form of fire. God burned in the pillar of fire, leading Israel out of slavery and into the promised land. In Exodus 19, when God is about to give the law, it says Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like the smoke from a furnace and the whole mountain trembled violently. And pe the people were understandably a little freaked out by it all and told Moses that they didn't want to speak with God anymore, but that he should do it. And so Moses went up the mountain alone toward the fire. But now, instead of calling us up to the mountain into God's fiery presence, 
God's presence has come down to us and rests on us. The fire of God alights on every believer. Whether they are a great pilgrim of the faith or a newbie Christian just beginning their journey. One pastor said, since Pentecost, every believer is now a burning bush. Fire in the Bible is often associated with God's holiness. When Isaiah sees God, his first response is to say, Woe to me, because I am a man of unclean lips. And an angel flies to him with a bit of fire, a coal, and presses it on his lips to purify him. Holiness often uh, seems like a severe and sterile kind of idea. But that's only, I think, because we have bad examples of people trying to live it out. I think it's helpful to think about it like this. Sin is anything that breaks down right relationship with the, right relationships in this world. It breaks down our relationship with God and with each other and within ourselves and with the rest of creation. And holiness is to live without that destructive force. It is to live in a way that gives life, that promotes the flourishing of God's good creation. The fire of God's presence purifies us from all the violence and hatred that is in our hearts, making us holy like our God is holy, making us into lovers of truth and goodness and beauty as God is. Like a silversmith uses heat to burn impurities out of silver and make it pure, so the spirit uses the circumstances of our lives to purify us and make us new people of character who don't fight evil with more evil, but whose love breaks through even in the darkest places. By the spirit, new life isn't just a metaphor or something that we might hope for in the future. It's something that we learn to live into now. And the spirit doesn't do that work without our participation. We have to attend to the spirit, asking us, to, asking to be shown where we have gone wrong listening, confessing, asking to be restored, made new. And we know what it looks like when the Spirit is moving in someone's life. From Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what holiness looks like. That's what the fire of God's presence in us brings. After the fire come the words. Luke spends most of his time here. The disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and all of them began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. It's a reversal of the story of Babel. Of Babel? 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 I don't know. At Babel, human arrogance resulted in the curse of confused language in divisions between the people. I mean, that hasn't changed, right? Human arrogance still drives people apart from one another. At Pentecost, God descended to the people and brought them back together again. Pentecost shows us the lifting of this curse and a small picture of the day when all curses will be lifted. The crowd gathered at Pentecost were away from their homes and their languages. It's often hard to use a second language and to be in a context where another language is spoken all the time. Um, I speak French, but I have never felt 
like I could be fully myself in French. You know, I don't get jokes and I certainly can't tell them. I always feel a little on the outside. And I wonder how many people in the crowd felt that way when to their amazement, they heard all these Galileans speaking the wonders of God in the languages of their hearts, even down to the dialect, down to the particular twang and how they say their R's. On Pentecost, people who had this gap of connection between them reached understanding in a way that is deeply personal. It's a tiny glimpse of what is to come. One day, all of the brokenness between us will be made right. The whole of creation that has been groaning under the weight of sin will be made whole again. Everything that is broken will be restored. And God doesn't do that by obliterating our differences or our uniqueness, by, but by entering into the difference and making understanding possible. It's not that the disciples all spoke one language and everyone understood. It's that they all spoke different languages. Language and culture and personality are upheld by the power of the Spirit. A new kind of love and understanding is made possible through the difference. I don't know if uh, any, well, I'm sure some of you have seen the musical, My Fair Lady. Um, the main, one of the main characters is a linguist um, who can tell down to the street where someone is from in the city of London based on their accent. So if he hears them speak, he can tell them like, oh, you were born on Burlington Street. I made that up. The female lead in the story also, she has a harsh accent. And it's particular for her, not just down to her physical location, but also her social location. Her dialect marks her as a poor, as poor and an outcast. Languages and their dialects, they carry history in them. Pentecost isn't just a restoration of relationship across languages, but also across cultures, ethnicities, and even social classes. And the Galileans, the ones who were speaking, they were generally considered to be uncultured and lesser because they didn't live in the capital city. They were looked down upon, but they are the ones who are bringing the message. This is the healing of broken relationships across many different barriers, and it is deeply intimate. The spirit moves through all the history that has formed each word, the inflections and idioms particular to each person present. They all hear the word of God in the language of their hearts. God again descends to us wherever we are and at the same time shows that the church by the power of the spirit is to do the same. It is a love that enters into difference that crosses boundaries. At Pentecost, the curse was lifted allowing us to receive the love of God and intimacy and calling us to love our neighbor in a way that upholds each one's uniqueness. And so much of scripture is focused on healing division. A lot of Paul's work in the New Testament was to break down what he called the dividing wall of hostility between Jewish people and the Gentiles. James railed against those who are rich, treating the poor as if they were less. And there's this passage, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. 
There are no more dividing lines, only love. Love of God and love of neighbor by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's another image of that unity in the flames. The flames begin as one, but separate and come to rest on each individual. We are united in one Holy Spirit. No matter how different we are from one another, no matter how easy or difficult it is to understand one another, no matter how well we get along. That's why Paul tells us in Ephesians to make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. We are one, and God is reconciling the whole world to God's self, mending what is broken. And so the church, by the power of the Spirit, Spirit works at reconciliation wherever it can. And we see brokenness all around us, and so we do whatever we can to heal it, no matter how hard it is, no matter how impossible it seems, because that is the work that God is doing. We have the power of the rushing wind and tongues of fire, the power of a hundred languages spoken and understood, the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead living in us. It's so easy to point to the deep divides in our culture, right? I'm sure many of you have seen the horrific video of George Floyd's killing at the hands of Minneapolis police. I keep thinking that justice for George Floyd and for Breonna Taylor and for Ahmaud Aubrey and so many others is so much more than the police being charged with a crime. Of course, that's like a necessary minimum to say that their lives counted for something. But true justice has to do way more than that. If we want a true accounting for those lives, it has to include reworking the police system and the criminal justice system and all the different institutions that hold people of color back. It has to do with undoing this knot of racism that lives in our sinful selves. It has to do with breaking down the dividing wall of hostility that has been built up over centuries. Do we ever need miracles for that? Miracles of new life and conviction and deep understanding. And of course, the race divide is just one of the many divisions. The political landscape seems to be making it impossible that we make wise decisions or learn from our mistakes. And I pray that Sherman Street would transcend the divides, that the spirit would move in us to make change. It's comforting that the wind and the fire and the languages of Pentecost are entirely an act of God. And I think scripture is clear that we need to participate in God's good work. We need to learn to walk in step with the spirit, but in the end, it is God's work. We need the spirit to shape us from the inside out into people of peace. We need the spirit to fill us with a love that is greater than we can muster on our own, that extends to all people, even our enemies. We need miracles of understanding that travel deep into hearts. 
What would it mean for the watching world to see this kind of miracle of reconciliation take place? And Paul explains it over the next few verses. He says that it means that Jesus Christ really is Lord. That Jesus really did conquer sin and death. And that God is putting this broken world back together again. Come, Lord Jesus. Please pray with me. Lord, what a gift we receive at Pentecost of your Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Sometimes we don't know what that means or what it means to stay in step with your spirit or, but we pray now for new life. We pray that we would be holy people. We pray that you would bring deep reconciliation wherever it's needed in our church, in our community, our country, in our world. Lord, if it is you that does this work, we ask that you would do it. Holy Spirit, move among us. In Jesus' name, amen.